When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Phil Mackey. He tried to be so polished. As a broadcaster, he says weird stuff, but it's almost funny at times. Judd Zolgad. Just from a baseball perspective, I really enjoy him. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. You like that? You like that? <laughs> you like that? All right, what's Rick Spielman saying down there in Indianapolis at the Combine? The first thing I saw that he said was, hey, everyone needs to shut up about this Case Keenum thing. I'm paraphrasing here, obviously. He didn't actually <laughs> You mean he didn't go to the podium up. and tell people to shut up? He goes, uh, I'm trying to find the exact quote, but he said, no decision has been made about placing the franchise tag on Case Keenum. I know there's a lot of reports out there. Of course they're going to say that, though. They want to... They want as much leverage as possible sure. for as long as possible. Now, that leverage, if you're trying to use that as leverage in Kirk Cousins' negotiations, which can't happen yet, and the franchise tag deadline is March 6th, like that, those don't overlap. Mm-hmm. So, But, you know, you might as well keep your options open for the next week until the tagging deadline on March 6th. Yeah, Rick has, in, um, in his sit-downs with the media, he has the ability to not tell you if it's, Sunny or cloudy outside, or if today is Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday. Mm-hmm. So I'm absolutely not surprised. I also think there's a there's a, a pretty good chance that he, that he is the guy that uh, that probably leaked the fact that they weren't going to keep Keenum on on the, so? the franchise tag. It was probably either is Spielman a him or the agent. I think he is more so with national press. He's never he. I don't think he's ever done it locally. Uh, I do think nationally he does at times to serve agendas. But be, because, and in, in his defense here, and I think this is true around the league, if you're going to leak something, it makes more sense to leak it to Rappaport or Schefter because then it's out there and everybody picks it up. If yeah. you leak it to, you know, us or the Star Tribune, it'll get out there, but it, it's a little bit slower. If you go to Schefter, it's on SportsCenter and everybody immediately knows. Yeah, and my, my guess is he probably didn't flat out if he's having a conversation with Case Keenum's agent, he probably didn't say, hey, this is where the relationship ends. Right. He probably said, because it, it, if it's coming from the agent, he probably said, like, right now we're not we're not going to franchise. We're going to let this thing play out, and we're just going to kind of see where things go, and let's maybe keep some dialogue open. But right now, uh, we're, we're not looking to franchise your client. Right. And, you know, if you're – this is why I think it comes from the agent – because if you're the agent for Case Keenum, you want everyone to know. You want 32 teams to know, my guy is available. So start thinking about him right now, six days before the tagging I, deadline. I think the Vikings probably have two, if not three, potential plans in place here. And, and for us, for for our purposes of 
recklessly speculating, of course, it's it's much more fun to pick the sexiest one, which is Cousins, and run with that. My guess is internally, the Cousins plan is plan one. That's best case. The Bridgewater, uh, potentially McCowan plan might be plan two. The only, the plan three might involve Keenum, but I think the rea- the reality there is he's going to potentially get too much from some team for him to stay here. And there might be a plan three that also somehow in a convoluted way includes Bradford, but I think he's gone. So I think your two realistic plans are the pursuit of Cousins, and and is that going to be realistic, and what are the Jets going to be offering up to him, which could uh, simply blow you away or him away. And then the second one would be some type of Bridgewater, McCowan. McCowan might start the season, Mm -hmm. something like that. Yeah, that second plan... I think includes, so it's Teddy Bridgewater and then whoever you handcuff to him, and it has to be somebody that's okay with being a backup or needs a just needs a breather like a Sam Bradford. So Bradford, McCown, I don't know if there's other options. I mean, Mike Glennon just got, he's going to get cut by the Bears, according to reports. That was a quick marriage. But he is not good. So quick divorce, I should say, yeah. I mean, Mike Glennon is further down the list than McCown and, and Bradford and Bridgewater. There was some great speculation on Golick and Wingo this morning. So Trey Wingo spent a segment just going through every team in the NFL and predicting who their quarterback is going to be in 2018. Mm-hmm. And most, like, there's 20 that are easy, obviously, because they're established quarterbacks or or recently drafted. And he gets to the AFC South, and you and I were kind of watching this segment, and he starts painting the picture of Blake Bortles' contract, how it's not what people think. It's really just they're basically guaranteeing him a $10 million uh, cap hit in 2018, which is manageable for them in that they could absorb that if he's a backup. It's a financial move, yes. Yep. So they could absorb that if he's a backup and they're not done exploring options. Yeah. And I and I blurted out Teddy Bridgewater. If if the Jaguars are looking to sort of hedge their bets on Blake Bortles, but also keep the door open for a quarterback competition and pitch that to the guy that they're going to sign, mm-hmm. that's a really appealing spot for Teddy Bridgewater. Mm-hmm. Like if you're Bridgewater, close to home in Florida, close to his mom. Yep, and you're looking at different situations that are going to because no one's going to give him the keys. I don't think any franchise is going to just flat give him the keys. They're going to want to see. They're going to want to see him in a preseason game. The guy hasn't played a preseason game in two years, and, and th- those teams haven't seen him practice either, which right. is going to be a big deal because only the Vikings have seen him practice. Right, yeah. but if you could bring him in, and say, you know what we we hear great things about you. We liked what we saw on film before the yep. injury. And you're not going to be annoyed at the starter, but let's put it this way. Yeah. Wink, wink. There's a really good shot. A really good shot. And the Jaguars, if that contract information is right, that they really didn't commit all of their money to Blake Bortles, that there's room for maybe somebody else to come in and push him out the door, Bridgewater would be a great fit there. So let's play this out because this is going to get really intriguing. Um, so if you could, so you're, you're going to start tampering and talking to a cousin's agent this week. But let's just say that they're serious and that they're not going to agree to a contract during the legal tampering period, which starts on March March 12th. So he, he's going to, let's say, go to the Jets, Minnesota, possibly Denver. This is where, if you're the Vikings, it gets fairly scary and very dicey. If they're serious about that, Bridgewater is going to say, well, if I don't have to wait, I'm not going to. And, and if I can go to Florida, as much as I might like you guys— if I can go to Jacksonville or the Dolphins, I'm going home. Bye. I'll sign there. So where this gets really intriguing is if that starts to play out, and now you're and now you're all in on Cousins, and on March, late on March 15th, he's like, you know what? The Jets are coming in at 
30 mil. It's all guaranteed. Yeah. I'm staying here. Then you're in trouble. And so so to go along with your timeline speculation, Kirk Cousins, according to Pro Football Talk, Mike Florio, wants to take visits. So he's gonna he he's gonna bypass the tampering period. Yeah, which and, you can't do during the tampering period. So yep. now now you've got to get to the fourteenth. So he's but not even that. Like you might have to get to the fifteenth or sixteenth right. of March. Right. So if he wants to take visits from the fourteenth, fifteenth, sixteenth, and you're the sec- he goes to the Jets first, and then he goes to the Vikings on the fifteenth or something. Mm-hmm. How's that going to play? If you, I know, I know a lot of people are listening saying screw Bridgewater. Like if you can get Cousins, and I, and I would put Cousins above Bridgewater as well. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. But if you want to keep Teddy on the hook, and Teddy has already made it clear, I want to, I want to be a starter somewhere. How's that going to play for him? Like you said, starting it on March 12th, if there's like a five-day period where you, you got to fend off, hey, we want to take a look at Kirk Cousins first, but it's going to take us a few days. And if you're Bridgewater, you're thinking, well, I mean, I don't want to be the second option. I want to be the starter. And if you guys don't see me as the starting quarterback, I'm not going to wait for you to figure out Kirk Cousins. I'm going to go talk to the Jaguars and the Dolphins and the Broncos mm-hmm. and the Cardinals and some other teams, right? Like, and now Keenum does the same thing. And so so be, because you're going to have the teams that need quarterbacks, and th- this always happens, are going to start to panic. The Cardinals are not going to sit there and be like, we'll just wait. The Cardinals are going to identify a Keenum-type player and say, no, we'll pay you. So now Bridgewater, Bridgewater, let's say on March 13th, agrees with Jacksonville. And around the same time, Keenum's like, well, I'm not being franchised by the Vikings, and they, they haven't come to me with a long-term offer at all. Therefore, I'm going on three years to the Cardinals. And Bradford, who you can't count on it, and who I don't think the Vikings truly want back, goes to the Browns as a backup or something like that. That's where that's where it gets dangerous. Yeah, so how long, if, if stuff starts you, percolating? How long can you afford to do this? Because not all of the teams that we're talking about are going to be in on Cousins. Like the the Browns oh. have not been linked really to him at all. It's almost like the Browns are saying, "Yeah, he probably, he's probably not going to want to play here." So and they're right about it, and they're they're probably right there. So they could go I after guess. that second pack of quarterbacks that the Vikings are going to want in on too. And most of them have already played for the Vikings. If they miss out on Cousins, how many of those second tier guys are going to be left? And the, and the Browns very well could draft a quarterback again, so they could sign a Bradford uh, Bradford to start the season and be be a mentor to that quarterback. The Cardinals, salary cap-wise, I don't think can even get in the Cousins discussion, so now they're going to get in the discussions for guys like Keenum. The Vikings very much can be in the Cousins discussion, but they still can be be blown away financially by the Jets. So you're left with Kyle Slaughter. You're left with McCowan. What are you left with? Football! Uh, Spielman also said, according to VikingUpdate.com, that, let's see here, he doesn't personally think the Teddy Bridgewater contract will toll, but that's an NFL decision. And uh, there's another thing here, too. Uh, Case Keenum has a knack for making big plays. He says they have had internal discussions about how Keenum fits with new offensive coordinator John D. Filippo and what John D. Filippo wants to do. However, no final decisions on quarterbacks yet. It is kind of interesting knowing that Within three weeks, you're going to know who the Vikings quarterbacks are or who the starting quarterback is for 2018. And all of this reckless speculation will come to an end. 
Reckless speculation. Pretty sad day. And that, that pie happens. chart could go from absolutely praising them for a savvy, great move to saying, what the hell did you just do? To Kyle Sloter, everybody. All right, Matthew Collar is down in Indianapolis for the Combine. You can find him on the Purple Podcast, 1500ESPN.com, and on our show next when we come back from the TCL Broadcast Studios. The Mackie and Judd Show rolls on. All right, let's bring it in. We all ready? On 1500 ESPN. And this portion of Mackie and Judd is sponsored by Catholic United Financial. All right, let's go down to Indianapolis. Matthew Collar from 1500ESPN.com. Saturday Sports Talk now, too. Good news. We just got updated graphics for you guys. No longer will Matthew Collar just be like a head on Joe Suture's body. Really? Collar, you're going to have your own graphic. It'll be great. You know, I thought that my head pasted on his body looked okay, but I was like a little tilted funny. So it's like, you know, I mean, Joe was in good shape when he took that picture, but it just, you got to get it straight if you're going to paste me on there. Yeah, that's a valid point. I think uh, I think I thought it looked great. I thought Judd looked is still in the in the forefront there, and you're kind of in the background a little bit. So I don't know. We might have to get that change. Yeah. So Rick Spielman, we were just going over a couple of the things that we saw come across Twitter here from Rick Spielman. What are you learning about the Vikings and quarterbacks and uh, things of that nature down in Indy, Matthew? So Rick Spielman uh, just got done talking just a few minutes ago, and he said several times that. They have not made any sort of decision yet when it comes to franchise tagging Case Keenum. Now, I, I don't believe that. I believe that they have and that the reports are, are right. But I do believe him when he says they haven't really made a decision yet on what they want to do, and they have to sit down with the representation, especially for Teddy Bridgewater, because I, I do think that there would be interest in signing Teddy Bridgewater to stay here. Uh, Rick said that he does not believe that the contract is going to toll, so – uh, as we've expected for a long time, you can kind of throw that out the window. But as far as the possibility of Bridgewater coming back, I think that that door uh, is still very much open. And, uh, of course, Spielman's not allowed to talk about Kirk Cousins. Uh, per the NFL rules, you can't talk about other people's upcoming free agents. I think they do that on purpose with the Combine right before you actually could start talking about them. Um, but, but anyway, uh, so he, he's unable to talk about that. But, I mean, the buzz here for sure is that the Vikings will be interested in Cousins, but you do have to wonder about the games that get played by agents and things like that because you know that the Jets uh, are going to be willing to pay a lot of money for Cousins, and if you're Kirk Cousins' agent, don't you want it out there all over the place that the Vikings are uh, at the very top of the list after him? I, I think you would. How, how potentially dangerous, Collar, is this game, too, in this sense? So the legal tampering period starts on March 12th. And the Cousins camp right now is saying Kirk is not going to agree to a deal during that uh, tampering period. And in fact, will actually go visit with teams, which he can't do until the free agency period opens on March 14th. So how concerned should the Vikings be that if they, they go all in on Cousins, that there's a scenario where Bridgewater and Keenum could both agree to deals, let's say in Jacksonville and Denver or, or Arizona, during the legal tampering period, they go all in on Cousins. Cousins goes to the Jets and gets absolutely blown away and says, I'm going there. And now you're left with maybe bringing Bradford back unless he goes to like Cleveland as a backup or mentor type. And and on opening day, you're faced with McCowan and Kyle Sloter being your quarterbacks. <laughs> I think that uh, what you have to do if you're Rick Spielman in the Vikings organization is you have to – He's flying out of here at the end of the week with a really good sense 
for where you stand on both Kirk Cousins and Teddy Bridgewater. I mean, if you've got more or less, and of course it's uh, not legal tampering, but you know that this sort of thing happens. If you've got more or less a feel that Kirk Cousins is going to be really, really interested, I, I think maybe you can take that risk if that's really the guy that you want. But if you have a conversation with Teddy Bridgewater and he, he wants to come back and there are reasonable terms that can be met for both sides, then maybe that kind of eliminates that potential risk that you could be running by waiting until uh, they, uh, Kirk Cousins does his Kirk Cousins tour for going to a bunch of different places. And, you know, I, the Vikings name has been out there, but I also saw uh, Charles Robinson report that he thinks that the Denver Broncos could be the top team for Cousins as well. So we've heard the Jets are the top team. We've heard the Vikings are the top team and Denver. I mean, right now I am not ready to believe any of those things that you hear uh, because there are so many different sources that come out. It makes a lot of sense for the Vikings to be in on Cousins. But uh, at the same time, I, I think there's also a possibility that here in Indianapolis, they could work something out with Bridgewater. So, Kyler, we went over this hypothetical earlier in the show. Adam Schefter actually threw this out on Golik and Wingo. Let's say the Jets offer $30 million a year. And, uh, I mean, I don't know, like the guarantees are going to come into play here, too. But just hypothetically, if the Jets offer $30 million a year for Cousins, and the Vikings offer $24, $25 million a year. If you're Kirk Cousins, where do you sign? Oh, man. I mean, that, that comes down to what kind of guy Kirk Cousins is and what his priorities are. But, I mean, I, I kind of uh, defer to Joe Thomas on Twitter. He's, you know, he's got his podcast. He's a big tweeter now. And he was talking about this very topic. And he said, you know, there's a threshold for that. I mean, maybe a few million dollars here or there you're going to go to the team that's got a really good chance to go win the Super Bowl. But if you're talking about life-changing money, if you're talking about 20 or $30 million difference, uh, you're just going to hope that the New York Jets can rebuild and, and you're going to take that. I mean, I, I think that the, the Jets are a good situation, uh, that they have uh, you know, a lot of cap space and they can sign other players and not just the quarterback. And you know, they've got a, a decent draft pick, too, and they've drafted some good players recently. But, you know, they're nowhere close to where the Vikings are right now. So if you were Cousins, you also have to try to bet that within the five-year contract that your team was going to be able to rebuild. So you'd have to put your hopes of actually winning a playoff game kind of on delay there. So I think that that is a really tough decision, and that's what it could come down to. Because, you know, even though the Vikings really are desperate to get a good quarterback here, um, you know, there are probably a number of quarterbacks out there that, you know, not just your Josh McCowns, I wouldn't go that far down the list, but if someone like Tyrod Taylor becomes available or Ryan Tannehill, I mean, we'll, we'll see in the draft who could become available later. You could feel like you're left out in the cold and then end up with some sort of Case Keenum equivalent. That's if, uh, you know, nobody comes back or you could end up with Sam Bradford back and you wouldn't exactly feel like you were uh, completely left out of the party if Cousins signed elsewhere and, and everybody else left. It's Rick Spielman interpretation time, Collar. Interpret this for me. <laughs> of Laquan Treadwell, Spielman said today, he needs to learn how to relax and not press so much. Just enjoy playing. Is that code for, I really screwed up, but, but it's going to be an embarrassment <laughs> to have to release my first-round pick? You know, I, I don't think that they will release him because if you look at the dead money that it costs them over the next two years to let him go, it's probably better to just have him as your number five wide receiver or something like that. I mean, it's certainly possible. I mean, he was very bad this year. I mean, the, the numbers on him when 
Uh, Case Keenum was throwing in his direction. The quarterback rating was a 49. I mean, it just he had a, a very, very, very poor season. And, and one of the things that you'd be the most frustrated about with Laquan Treadwell is that when he came out in the draft, the big thing was, hey, he's going to go up and get it. You know, if you throw it up to him, he's going to beat his man. And he showed zero ability to do that uh, last year when they gave him a handful of opportunities to do so. So I, I think that he probably ends up just being down on the depth chart. But the problem is that that's, uh, that's kind of a wasted space there, except for him just coming in and, and blocking on some plays or just filling in here or there if somebody gets hurt. I mean, you'd really uh, rather have someone who could do something on special teams where he's not particularly great or uh, even with some sort of playmaker like they used Cordero Patterson. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think that what Spielman is saying there is, you know, last year was, oh, you know, uh, his injuries, and then it was, oh, well, his technique, that's what it is, and now it's, he's playing too tight. It's like we've gone through every possible excuse for this guy. The reality is he's just not a good player. Yeah. Matthew Collar down in Indianapolis, so this is also the time not only of you know speculation and where kind of uh, rumors start to come out about free agency, but this is where you get a good look at college players and, and where they might be drafted and things like that. So um, as we go down this two-month stretch to the NFL draft, starting now at the Combine, who are some names that Vikings fans should have on their radar, Vikings first and second round potential targets? Well, first of all, I cannot wait. I mean, I am very excited that draft season is officially upon us. Sorry, there's a giant truck going by me right now, if you guys can hear that. Um, the, the, the top names to watch are tackles and guards for me because, you know, I put out the – um, you know, the list, of, in my opinion, of what their biggest draft needs are. And there are some really, really good guards in this class. There's a guy, uh, Will Hernandez from UTEP, who's just a, a monster and has all the uh, character traits that the Vikings are looking for. There's also Isaiah Wynn, who played for Georgia, who's uh, supposed to be more on that uh, athletic style. And there's a really intriguing player here at tackle that could be a franchise left tackle in Orlando Brown. Where he is just a monster at six foot eight, and a lot of people think that he could end up being a first round pick, but he still needs to to have some development. And the fact that they have Riley Reef and Mike Remmers right now, they could draft a guy that needed some development but had a chance to be a franchise left tackle. So I mean that's that's a couple of them that I'm keeping the close eye on. There's also a guy now you you'll like this from I believe South Dakota State, Dallas Godert. Wow. Tight end. Yeah. That's a football name. Go Dirt. Go Dirt. name right there. Yes. Yes. I cannot wait. And I don't care if I'm pronouncing his name wrong. That's his name. (laughs) Um, So I can't wait uh, to see if they are interested in a a tight end higher in the draft because, uh, you know, we've talked about it a lot. Trey Burton is out there as a free agent with Kyle Rudolph. And I do think they want to add another player at that position, especially with John Filippo coming in. And if you could bring in a guy named Dallas Godert, then you should. Godert. Football. Are we still upset uh, that that certain QBs are refusing to throw at the combine? Because back in my day, we got very upset about that, and Rick especially could not understand why on earth a guy like Sam Darnold back in the day wouldn't throw at the combine. I mean, shouldn't Teddy Bridgewater have shown us why people don't throw at the combine? Or, or I mean, I guess it was Bridgewater's pro day. Yeah, it was pro day that was bad. Throw, yep. yeah, but, I mean, more, the more you throw, the more you have a chance for somebody to look at it and go, you know what, there's something I don't like there. Force them to look at the tape, especially if you know you're going to be a top pick. I think this is a really tough quarterback class. Uh, but, you know, Rick Spielman didn't count out the idea of potentially drafting a quarterback 
um, depending on how other things fall by the draft, we'll kind of know where we stand with Bridgewater and Cousins and all that. Uh, but this is an intriguing class because you could see any one of these guys falling. Darnold is the guy that might have the, a little bit of the Jimmy Clausen to him where everyone says he's going to be the top pick and then he doesn't end up being that. I mean, he had some really great moments this year, but he also had some, some downs as well. And uh, then there's the, the Lamar Jackson, total wild card guy who has been criticized for being too athletic, which is a, a very bizarre criticism to me. I, I have a piece out on him today. I, I like him a lot. Um, he certainly needs some uh, mechanical things shored up, but um, he is uh, one of the most explosive and unique players with a rocket arm. And, and I, I think he would be intriguing to the Vikings if he was somehow still there. And then uh, with Baker Mayfield, there were some issues with him this year and his character he got arrested once i think last year and he also had the um the crotch grab the famous crotch grab that i think probably does concern some teams but his numbers are unbelievable at oklahoma so you could see any one of these quarterbacks going number one overall but you could also see any one of them uh being available at number 30 i think that's what makes this class really unique can you guys name the last five quarterbacks the vikings have drafted going back like i want to say like 12 or 13 years well, well, let's see. Ponder, Bridgewater, it's Tavares Jackson, right? That's three. Yeah. Um, Two more. Judd covered uh, John these. David, John David Booty. Wow. John oh, David yeah. Booty, yep. There's one left. Oh, man. Judd's getting worked here. Judd covered these. No, times. I'm letting Collar go. He's, he's, he's on a roll. <laughs> okay. I'm, I mean, I think I need to walk away after hitting John David Booty. I think, one, I think the last remaining guy, I think, also played for the Buffalo Bills at one point. Oh. Uh, in fact, he did. He spent uh, two years with the Buffalo Bills in 2011 and 2012. Wow. They drafted um, going back. What what year was the draft? Man. I'll give you the round. Seventh round. Oh. Come on, guys. He's, there's alliteration. He, alliteration with his name. And he played for the Buffalo Bills. He played for the Bills. Oh, Tyler Thigpen. Tyler Thigpen. Out of Coastal yeah. Carolina. Yeah, that was a big they were livid. They were Brad was livid. That the Kansas City Chiefs stole him off our roster. <laughs> they were very worried that he was going to turn into this superstar quarterback and that he, they tried to sneak him through waivers and to the fact, practice squad. And in fact, if I'm not mistaken, JDB was taken with the uh, with, with a pick obtained in the only trade I believe ever made between the Vikings and Green Bay Packers. JDB. JD, JDB was taken with a pick. They, they made an in-draft. They made a draft. They swapped picks with, it was Ted Thompson and Rick. Wow. And it might be the only I trade those teams have made. I believe Thigpen had something like a really good game against the Bills, and then they wanted him the next year, and he did absolutely nothing. He was like the Kyle Floater of the time, I think. Yeah. And they nearly, the Vikings actually made a pitch to bring him back. Was it in 2008? They made a big pitch, and I think the pitch was you might have a chance. In fact, he started almost the whole year for this. It was pre Sage, so it might have been 2009 before the Favre stuff rekindled that they promised him a chance to. Fight Tavares for a starting job. Wow. The more you know, I mean, gentlemen. You understand. When, when you guys say all this, you can totally understand why people would want, like Vikings fans would want Kirk Cousins to just lock down the position. Because I mean, look at That's exactly what a mess. It. You're talking about at one point they thought Tyler Big Ben was going to start. I mean, are you kidding me? That's how much of a disaster this thing has been. Yeah, it's a dartboard sure. collar. You're throwing darts. Yep that's, yep, that's it. All right. Thank you, Matthew. Bye, Matthew. Talk to you tomorrow. Thanks, guys. All right. Matthew Collar Tyler, from 1500 ESPN.com Pro Tyler Thigpen. Yeah, they uh, they went three quarterbacks in a. They drafted uh, T. Jack in 06, Thigpen in 07, and then John David Booty in 08, and then they did. And then it was Ponder and Bridgewater, the last two that they 
There were various reasons, including the fights, why the uh, Vikings-Chiefs scrimmage stopped. But the Tyler Thigpen, heist of Tyler Thigpen by the Chiefs played a role. The Vikings were very upset that the Chiefs came to Mankato. They saw their secret guy, their secret quarterback throw, and they took him. (laughs) Yeah, that really worked out well. Out of the league like three years, three or four years after that, too. Nice Uh, guy. Phone lines can be open for Vikings speculation, 651-646-8255, 877-615-1500. Mackie and Judd in the TCL Broadcast Studios. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. The Minnetonka Police Department's investigative unit described the relationship between the two as on again, off again at a press conference this morning. Mackey and Judd. He also said there's been a history of domestic incidents between the two on 1500 ESPN. Teddy Bridgewater, it's not that they're letting him go. I, I think the Vikings want Teddy Bridgewater back, and we'll see how that happens. But his health is not exactly where a lot of people want it to be. Uh, we'll see how the free agent market shakes out. I, I still think there's a decent chance that Teddy Bridgewater goes back to Minnesota. And Case Keenum, again, uh, they have to figure out what's going to be going on with Kirk Cousins. Maybe they use the transition tag on Case Keenum at a cheaper number that invites another team to go sign him to him off. Like Again, we're, we're rushing to answers. Yes, we are. That's right, Shefty. That's what we like to do. speculation season, Shefty. Shefty. Reckless speculation. Shefty, right. Shefty, you can't light the building on fire and then complain about arson. <laughs> no, no, it's it's funny that whether it's the, the Schefters in, in uh, football or the the Ken Rosenthal's and the John Heyman's in baseball, like their entire day is uncovering information. Yes, between agents and front offices and players and coaches, and then delivering the information to the public to create interest. Right? Yeah. And then Schefter's on and this few, morning yes. saying, hey, let's just pump the brakes on the speculation. No, come on, man. My let's analysis is is if they aren't fueling the speculation themselves and, and it's coming from competing sources, it becomes annoying to them. But now if Shefty turns around at the combine and finds something out that's complete speculation for the most part, he'll be thrilled. Yes, yes. So in, in discussing the Vikings' potential move here, which plan A does appear to be, uh, if you're to believe all the speculation and reports, that uh, they are going to make a strong bid to bring in Kirk Cousins off the open market. This strikes me, Phil Mackey, as a very uh, potentially, to quote our old phrase here, ballsy and un-Minnesota sports-like move for the most part. Case Keenum had a very nice season. Case Keenum was a great story. I mean, you're talking about a guy who signed, what, a $2 million one-year contract to be a backup, got thrown in in the second game, Essentially won 13 games, including the Saints playoff game. That was a great ending. Now, he didn't play that great in the entire second half, but great uh, finish to that game. And you look at Keenum's story, and you think to yourself, this is very us, right? Guy comes in, gets a chance, and then a lot of times in this town, when guys succeed like Keenum did, we say, reward him. That's fantastic. This is great. And we've got, and there's a lot of fans, I think, who, if you had gone to them around the time of that Eagles game, would have said, I would keep Keenum and I would play him next year and I'd sign him to a three-year contract. The interesting thing about this, and I I admire it because it goes against script in this town, is the Vikings are potentially going to do something here that could be far more dangerous because it's if they go away from Keenum and potentially away from Teddy and they do go all in on Cousins, very un-Minnesota sports team-like. Yeah, and there's also nothing wrong with just making someone prove it. There's nothing wrong with 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 Phil Hughes. Okay, prove it. You had one good year, signed to do a three year deal. Prove it. It's like we're sometimes we're so quick to reward 
whether it's a quarterback or uh, or a starting pitcher or Jason Pominville, would they didn't have to sign him to a five year contract which, extension, which started the next year too. Yes. So it's essentially a six year extension. Yeah. The famous example of that with the Twins was Nick Blackburn who was pretty good for a couple years and had two or three years of team control left. And it wasn't a crippling contract, but they gave him like $30 million or something over right. whatever it was, over a multi-year stretch because he pitched 200 innings a couple times and uh, pitched pretty well in game 163 against the White Sox. Well, let's make him prove it. He still has a couple years left. And, and Andrew Wiggins, that's a tough one because you had to make a decision. You couldn't say prove it for one more year. He could hit the open market. He took a risk, and now it looks like a bad contract. Uh, so with Case Keenum, I would be okay if Kirk Cousins was no longer available, If which the order of this is kind of wonky because you're not going to franchise him, so you're going to go open market with Kirk Cousins. If you whiff on him, you hope that someone's available, a, a Case Keenum or somebody. Um, I, my guess is on the Vikings not franchise tagging Keenum, if that winds up being the case between now and March 6th, I believe the reports too. They think they can get him back for a lesser average annual value than the franchise tag, twenty-three or twenty-four million dollars would uh, would warrant. But I don't want to lock into multiple years of Keenum. I would rather experiment with what if if it had to be Keenum. I'd rather experiment one more year to make him prove it. Yep. And then go from there if he plays well. And that that's what I said. The franchise tag, as expensive as that would be for the 2018 season, I would almost rather pay that for one year because then it's done. But this does go against the the ordinary. I mean, we and I, I think that this is true probably of sports fans in lots of towns, but it, it's very true here. We are very big on we fall in love with players and then they get multiple year contract extensions and we're like, that's fantastic. The Wild just gave Koivu two extra years, so he is signed through the contract that he he was playing under in the fall through this year, and now he's signed for two more years. And I look at, at him and I say. Why didn't you allow that that salary cap space to be freed up? Mm-hmm. Because I think that you could have taken that and 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 much like with Joe, in Maurer's case, if you want to come back on our terms, that's fine. But in some ways, I admired the Vikings here for saying Keenum had a really good year. But you know what? We don't trust it, and we ultimately think that if we're going to reach our goal, which should not be the playoffs, it should not be just some success in the playoffs, it should be a Super Bowl, if we're ultimately going to reach that goal, we're going to have to make a somewhat gutsy move here. I admire that because it goes against script in this town. I think in a lot of cases, script in this town is to be is to reward a guy who's played well, and then three years after that, we're like, wow, that was... That contract was a mistake. Yeah, I, there's like I said, there's nothing wrong with making a guy prove it or making a guy earn it. And if he's a free agent after he had the one pop up season, there's nothing that says you have to sign him to a multi year contract extension. Uh, but you know, I, I I think we've put enough polls out and stuff. Vikings fans have cooled on Case Keenum a lot in the last couple of months. I think the playoffs From, helped out there. Don't yeah, because. Yeah, the defense was atrocious against the Eagles, and the defense definitely shares more of the blame than Case Keenum. But the offense laid an egg in that game, too. Mm-hmm. They they didn't even punch back. The offense scored one early touchdown, and that was the end of their punching in that game. Mm-hmm. So, yes, you can blame the defense, but you can't ignore the fact that in the biggest games, there were some really bad interceptions, game-changing interceptions, and they only scored seven points. So I would never hinge. Like, I still think that I would put more stock into the regular season that he had because he deserves credit for that. But the playoff sample matters too. I think the the 
feeling about Keenum, I think internally with the Vikings would have been very different if they had if they had had complete confidence in, in him throughout the course of the season, and then he struggled in the playoffs, and they were like, "Whoa, didn't see that coming." Mm-hmm. But when your head coach essentially sits there on a weekly basis, or or quite often bringing up things and alluding to the fact that he he is waiting for the shoe to drop in which the quarterback falls apart. That's a telltale. Uh, speaking of classic Minnesota sports, okay, I'm, I'm following along the Logan Morrison introductory press conference right now at Hammond Stadium. Yeah, saw the pictures. He's saying things that would never fly with previous front offices. Like, too much personality for previous front offices. But I think... He's going to be a character. I want to read you some of these quotes from Logan Morrison. He has a nickname for Paul Molitor, and he's already making fun of one of the Twins' starting pitchers. So we'll come oh, back no, with some of no. that. Uh-uh, he's gone. TCL Broadcast Studios. It's Mackie and Judd, and the phone numbers are 651-646-8255 and 877-615-1500. Phil Mackie, Judd Zolgad. You don't seem like a public menace to me. Mackie and Judd on 1500 ESPN. The brand new 1500 ESPN app is here. Stream live shows, download podcasts, read the latest sportswear articles and more. You can do it all in one place on that app. And if you need more reasons to download it, we've got those too. We're spending the next month giving away a $50 Red Cow Red Rabbit gift card every day and a 55-inch TCL Roku TV every week. You have to have the app to access the contest entry form. Download the new 1500 ESPN app in the Apple App Store and Google Play Store now. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's pretty awesome, and you get rewarded for listening. So if you listen to us droning on and on about the Vikings quarterback situation, droning. Hey, we will reward you for listening to our dribble and Judd's hockey ramblings. It's quality reckless speculation is what it is, Phil Mack. It is. So, all right, you know how the Twins in previous years have suspended Miguel Sano for slow trotting around the bases and <laughs> the minors? Smith didn't like it. And, uh, like, the Twins, I don't know if I would say they suppress personalities throughout the, the years, but, you know, they 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 like it to, to speak softly and carry a big stick. There's a so right way speak, to play right? the game of baseball, Phil. Yes, the Twins way, which turned into botched grounders and dropped pop-ups and bad pitching hey, for a long time. It was still their way. Okay. Not as much anymore. I don't think, I'm going to go out on a limb here, Logan Morrison would have fit the old Twins way. Well, first of all, like, he had to stop tweeting two and a half years ago because he pissed off too many people and was way too controversial and finally just said, all right, I'm going to light this thing on fire and I've had enough. Yep. So he's already come up with a nickname for Paul Molitor. He's talking to reporters down there and Wetmore is tweeting from his account. Now he's going to call Paul Molitor Pauly 3K. Pauly 3K, 3,000 hits. Okay. He hasn't told Molitor yet though. Pauly 3K. That's not bad. Yep. All right. Uh, he said, let's see, he said this uh, about Jake Odorizzi, who he was teammates with last year. Mm-hmm. He called Jake Odorizzi just an average white pitcher, another average <laughs> white pitcher. <laughs> oh, I like that, too. <laughs> Taking shots. I mean, Jake Odorizzi is kind of an average white pitcher, a 4 ERA, doesn't throw 99 miles an hour. But All the right. Twins could use a bunch of average pitchers, whether they're white, black, is whatever. The Twins just need better pitching. Um, and then he's just been goofing around with guys. He said he doesn't consider himself a power hitter, which I think he's being tongue-in-cheek because he hit 38 bombs yeah. last year. He said, uh, I'm paraphrasing, but he said, uh, yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna strike out. I'm going to walk some. I'm going to hit some homers, and hopefully uh, some guys are on base. And he's got, like, the short sleeves on today. So he sounds like a character. He's going to be pretty funny. And hopefully he's actually good at baseball, too. I wonder if he's going to have the most personality since uh, Przinsky. Oh, and he's wearing number 99. 
Is he going to keep it? He's got it. Look he at the photo shoot. Tr- He's got number 99. I saw Logan this morning Morrison that they Aaron Judge assigned and Logan him Morrison. So, oh, the old school twins never would have allowed that. Oh, drawing nobody too much attention wears, to yourself. Nobody wears 99 in baseball, Logan. Yeah. But that's part of baseball as we've talked nobody. about this a million times. Let a guy wear 99. Baseball needs to be more fun, more marketable, and just like, okay, what what's that guy doing over there? Logan Morrison, if not for his personality, would just be... A thirty-year-old guy who hit some home runs last year and yeah. whatever, but if he's going to be funny on the microphone, wearing a weird number, let's get him back on hitting bombs. Let's get him back on. Flip Twitter. your bat. Let's have some fun. Get him back on Twitter. That's my goal. Can we start cutting promos before games? <laughs> Send him out to home plate right yeah. before the umpires meet to exchange the lineup cards with the uh, coaches or managers. He just you know pick out some guys in the opposing dugout and just start ripping into guys. Tell the opposing pitcher how much you know, he's just trash. Triple H's music hit. Yes. Uh, he's now making fun of Jake Odorizzi's dad bod, according to <laughs> Mark Topkin from the Tampa Bay Times. Does Jake Odorizzi have a dad bod? I have no idea. There's nothing wrong with that. I was going to say, <laughs> if we start criticizing dad bods in this studio, we're all uh, in trouble. Yeah, he's so he's sitting at this table rocking a backwards hat or some kind of a... Like yeah, a, this is very untw- I'm not comfortable right now. Yeah, he's going to be He's fun. wearing 99. He's got his hat on backwards. When's the last time the Twins had a lineup that included two guys capable of hitting 40 home runs in a full season? Cuz Miguel Sano, if he played a full season would hit 40. He had 28 and he was shut down for the last 2 months. You got to go back and to Logan the, Morrison. You got to go back to Brunanski and Herbeck and that group. Coomer and Becker. Poor Ronnie. But those guys no one hit 40 in that group. No, in fact, the only guy to ever hit forty, I think, is Harmon Killebrew. No, I think you're right, but but what I'm saying is the last time that you you looked at a lineup and said these guys have a shot would probably be even though they didn't do it would be Herbeck, Brunanski, Gaetti, that group. Yeah, Maybe last year, Dozier and Sano. Yeah, Do- so Dozier's Dozier, done it. He's hit forty, right? Forty three was my it? guy Dozier. Yes. So Dozier, yeah, Dozier and Killebrew are they the only two guys to ever hit forty home? Who was the Twins' second best power hitter behind Harmon Killebrew back in the day? Would have been Bob Allison? Allison. Bob Allison. It might have been, yeah. People compared Bob Allison and Josh Willingham, kind of that low batting average, hit for a bunch of power. But they, their, had, their power is is not a very storied documentary. At the plate, that might be true. If, if you've ever seen the catch that Allison made in the World Series in 65 at the Met, oh, yeah. though, you would know that Josh was not capable of that Josh catch. Josh has never come near a wall without coming to a complete stop and letting the ball bounce. Poor Willingham. If the ball was hit... Anywhere that wasn't right at him, it became a chore. I remember watching the <laughs> he couldn't even go back to the wall. There was a he bunch would just of just sort of flip around and look and the ball would be flying over his head. There was a bunch of times where a ball would be hit, and this never happens now because Byron Buxton, any ground ball to the gap, and if Rosario or Kepler doesn't get to it, Buxton's over there backhanding yep. it before it gets to the warning track. Where you'd see a base hit go over the shortstop's head during the Josh Willingham. And actually, this happened with Delman Young in left field too. And who was the who was the center fielder? Span or Revere when Delman pointed? No, no, no. Or when when Willingham's in. Le- I'm just saying this happened a million times. Okay. And I think Span would have been the center fielder, but you'd see a, a base hit, line drive base hit over the shortstop's head, and you'd think, oh well, that's a single. And like Willingham with five ankle weights and yeah. cement blocks tied to the bottom of his cleats. Yes. 
can't get over. The ball runs the alley. The guy winds up with a triple to the gap in left center. That was the problem. That damn warning track. The quicksand at Target Field in left field that we didn't know about that Josh was stuck in. And, you know, the difference here is Logan Morrison doesn't have to play in the field. He doesn't have to play. Joe Maurer is going to play first base. He can just sit back, mash, and make fun of dad bods. Mm -hmm. That's what his role is going to be for the Twins. But but he and Miguel Sano, if they both stay healthy, could flirt with 40 home runs. And Miguel doesn't get suspended for too long. Right, it just that's depends. gonna help things out. We don't know if it's doesn't. gonna be like two games or thirty days exactly. or what the hell it's gonna be. So, or it might not come. I, I mean, he he might be sent to counseling. It sounds like, and he, there's oh, a chance. Is that the, he did speak with the investigators. Yeah, so that part, yeah. The the uh, the options are he can be suspended. I think he can be fined, or or there could be a a deal where they send him to some type of counseling. Okay, and he might not be suspended if that's the case. Well, so, this is the only. This is the first time they've ever investigated him specifically, right? Yes. And ordinarily, it sounds like, from the Star Tribune story that I read today, ordinarily it sounds like there is a police report to go off of in most of the cases where where the commissioner has disciplined players and suspended them, and there isn't a police report in this case. So hmm. he might be fined and sent to counseling. All right. Speaking of sending people to counseling, we sent John Cosgrove to counseling for like six months, but he's back. It didn't from work. the Crafty Rogues it podcast. It didn't work, I, I can assure you that. We're going to get some sports culture in here with uh, John Cosgrove, When we come back, Mackie and Judd in the TCL Broadcast Studios.